Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Thursday, May 25th. This is On Deck. I'm Stephen Nesbitt, and I'm here with Levi Weaver, who writes the Athletic's daily baseball newsletter, The Windup, with Ken Rosenthal, but is perhaps best known for being the middle brother of the famously aggressive major leaguer Weavers. Big brother Jeff, younger brother Jared, and here is Levi. Levi, how you doing? Wow, you you scooped me on this one. Every week I try and just throw you off and and now you've beaten me to it. I'm the oldest brother of not baseball playing brothers. Other than that though, hey, I would love those great like uncle gifts if my brothers played big league baseball. My kids would freaking love getting like a new PlayStation uh, every birthday. No, I'm I'm good. On on today's uh, show we're going to talk about what to make of the Padres. We are going to do what we always do and preview some series. We're going to have our arms race. And because we don't have a Memorial Day episode, we're also going to just sling an extra home run chase in here. And of course, Stephen, uh, as we've been prepping you guys for, is going to tell us about his past life as a malevolent teenage girl ghost. So it should be a good show. Yeah. And before we jump into all that one, I want to tell you about New York Times Audio, a new iOS app for New York Times, all access and new subscribers. It's got our show, plus all the other podcasts from The Athletic, exclusive shows, narrated articles, and more, New York Times Audio. Download it now at nytimes.com slash audio app. Okay, we're going to get into our main topic today, which which is none other than the San Diego Padres. You know, at time of recording, they have won two in a row, but still I think it's something like three and seven in their last ten. Two more games against the Nationals, the homecoming for Juan Soto. As we approach the end of May here, as things start to mean something, almost 55 games into the season. They still sit four games under 500, eight back of the Dodgers, fourth place in the division that a lot of people picked them to win. I probably did. I'm not going to raise my hand for that, but there's a good chance that I I said they'd, they'd win that division. I think they're maybe oh, more okay than they're made up to be, be made out to be in this like latest swoon, but uh, things have not really gone well. So what do you make of these Padres at this point? It's just disappointing. You know, you want to root for the the wild mad scientist that goes in and is like, screw you guys, I'm going to spend a bunch of money and I'm going to beat everybody. Or, you know, like you just expect somebody with AJ Preller's hair. He doesn't look like the, the mad scientist from Robot Chicken, but he just has that energy to him. That's fun when that succeeds, when all the stuffed shirt people who have done things the right way, lose to the crazy guy coming in and just going, ha ha ha, I'm going to do it different. But this feels a lot like uh, growing up and realizing that sometimes the right way to do things is the right way to do things for a reason. It pains me to say it and I hate it, but no, they haven't been very good. And I'm, I'm pulling for them to be very good. I don't like this. It doesn't make me happy. I'm disappointed in the entire sport of baseball and in life because the Padres are so bad. Coming into the season, we knew that Fernando Tatis Jr. would miss, I think, something like the first 20 games or so of the season. But once he got back, I mean, the top five hitters in that lineup were so hard to so hard to knock in any way. It was going to be Tatis, Bogarts, Soto, Manny Machado, and then who we're looking at, probably Jake Cronenworth as their sixth there. And those top five were so good that you could sort of ignore the fact that you're not going to get much from the rest of the lineup Young Kim wasn't going to give you a whole lot offensively. Austin Nola has a little bit of a black hole with the bat. But hey, if you've got like a majority of a great lineup, you're, you're probably all set. And toss in the fact that you have you have Joe Musgrove, you have you Darvish, you have a former Cy Young winner alongside there in Blake Snell. Like they'll figure things out in that rotation, right? And then Josh Hader's figuring things out as well in the closers role. It just seemed a, a kind of impossible for them to start th- this poorly. And 
Now that you've got Manny Machado out with a small fracture in his left hand, he was off to such a poor start anyway that it's certainly a step backward from them for the, from the potency of that lineup, but he wasn't really off to a good start anyway. Now he's on the injured list for the first time, and I think it's eight years. And Seth Lugo has been hurt too, which is a knock for a rotation that is thinner than expected. When you look at that, I mean, Michael Walker has probably been the most steady of their starting pitchers. And alongside him, Blake Snell's a 5 ERA. Joe Musgrove's got a 6-something. They've been leaning a lot on Nick Martinez and Ryan Weathers to, to fill in and make some, some starts. And Dar- Darvish has been okay. But uh, it's just not a team that's winning the way you thought they would win. You know, they have Juan Soto, who's figured things out more recently. He's been on a tear in the last 20 games. 356 uh, batting average, 1.129 OPS. More walks and strikeouts. I mean, that's, that's classic Soto stuff. But one man does not a lineup make. And at this point, they're not getting like the best of the best from Tatis. He's good, but not otherworldly right now. And boy, they just need, need a couple of these guys to, to go really hit on all cylinders to uh, hit their stride here. He's been good defensively. I mean, you know, I don't know how much you want to celebrate your right fielder being a very good defensive right fielder. But Tatis, I think he said, like, I'm a shortstop out there. And you're like, well, no, literally, yeah, that's exactly what you are. We just need him to maybe hit a little bit more like a right fielder now. Most of my thoughts here on the Padres are mainly just disappointment and like go play as well as you should play. I know that that's oversimplifying things, but you know, I'm not a good enough psychologist to tell them how to fix whatever. If there's clubhouse chemistry issues, I have no idea. Just, I mean, you, you would think you have the right manager in place there with Bob Melvin, who worked wonders in Oakland. Yeah, just go be better. That's it. Just go be better. They have a series upcoming in the Bronx this weekend against the Yankees, who are who are certainly hot right now. But if you want to look for a little bit of a silver lining, which many Padres fans do, I think this upcoming schedule is pretty favorable. They go uh, to the Marlins. They host the Cubs, the Mariners, at the Rockies. They host the Rays, at the Giants, Nationals, Pirates, Reds, Angels, to take us to the 4th of July. Maybe the Rays certainly scare you in that group, but beyond that, there is some opportunity to make up some ground there. So am I forecasting a sudden Padres surge? No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Producer Brian, if you could just clip those kind of either way, uh, looks better for me when we get to July 4th. That would be great because that's a great look back for me because that schedule, I think, does line up really well for a team that kind of needs a soft landing right here. So our top series of the week this week, it's the Dodgers and the Rays. The Rays currently still have the best record in baseball, but not by the margin that they used to. The Dodgers, uh, after a very hot streak, hey, they're they're only six and four in their last 10. This is definitely a, a clash of the Titans. There's a temptation to go, oh, this is a really big series for these teams. Frankly, either of these teams could weather a sweep and be fine, but it would look really great for each of them if they were able to sweep a team that is as good as their opponent. So right now, the biggest problem for the Rays, look at their bullpen. If uh, I think we looked at this last year, bullpen numbers in May, they came into, this would be Tuesday night's game with the fourth worst bullpen ERA in baseball in the month of May, giving up 20 runs in a game, even though a couple of those guys were position players, they get counted for this purpose as relievers. That's very not great. And I know that some of that is injury related, but that's, you know, if you want to talk about like just the the one little inadequacy in a team that otherwise looks very, very good relievers in the month of May. Speaking of May, Stephen, Dustin May went to the 60 day IL. That's, that's the segue. The Dodgers might need starting pitching. They really might. So right now, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is, is trusted, of course. And then Noah Syndergaard is kind of who he 
he just who he has become in the back half of his career here. So they're turning to these these rookies, Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller looked great the just uh, Tuesday night, I think it was. While Julio Arias has been out with a hamstring strain. Yeah, this is a team that I, they don't need to go get starting pitching, but they certainly need to get healthy because for as good of a, a system as they have, for as much as they sort of churn out position players, they've had a lot more trouble getting starting pitchers to stick. And I mean, one reason for that is look at who's on the major league injured list for them. And I think you like would take this whole team as your rotation of bullpen. Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, Dustin May, Michael Grove, Ryan Pepe, there's your starting rotation. Daniel Hudson, Blake Trinan, Jimmy Nelson, JP Fireeyes, and Alex Reyes and Tyler Sir. That's a bullpen. So the Dodgers need to get healthy. And on the flip side, the Rays, their rotation, of course, we know has been decimated. They've basically got Zach Eflin and Shane McClanahan right now uh, with Todd Bradley coming up. This is the return of Tyler Glass now. The return of Tyler Glass now expected on Saturday. And that would be a huge piece for a team that is not reeling, but certainly the pack is starting to, to catch up to them. Well, and when you list those Dodgers starters that have been injured, that's not even counting the guy that they paid a bajillion dollars to go get blasted in the Japanese minor leagues right now. So yeah, hasn't been a great run for them for starting pitching. Don't want to get sued. So I'm not even going to say his name. What's your series? I hate to be a, a stereotypical former Texas Rangers beat writer, but you've got the teams with the second and third best leagues in the American League going up against each other in the Rangers and the Orioles. Last year, the Rangers were 37 and 40, which is losing record, but it's not bad, bad. And then they went into Baltimore and they lost two walk-offs. They had a, another one-run game that they lost in. And that, that was the turning point of their season. I mean, they they went from three games under 500 to finishing 68 and 94. But that's a different team. The lineup's not markedly different other than Adolis Garcia looks like a different player. But the rotation last year was Dane Dunning, Spencer Howard, and Glenn Otto. This time they're going to throw out uh, Gray, Heaney, and Dunning, but it's a different Dunning who had a 402 ERA going into that series last year, currently has a 167 ERA. So even he looks like a different guy, much like the Rays. uh, I mentioned the Rays having the second worst bullpen ERA in the month of May. First place goes to the Rangers who have a bullpen ERA of over seven in the month of May. So as much as I think I said this last uh, episode that I don't super trust the Orioles starting pitching, I definitely don't trust the Rangers bullpen. So I would not be surprised to see a lot of games where Texas jumps out to a big lead and just tries to hold it and pretend that there's not a leak in the boat and just pray that the innings run out before the runs do. My series of the weekend is going to be the Phillies going to Atlanta for four games. Now, Atlanta has lost the first two games against Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers uh, at time of recording. They still have one left. But it's going to be interesting, probably a more important series for the Phillies who are really trying to find a way to keep their heads above water here. Not getting great starting pitching lately. They're going to roll out Aaron Nola. Uh, Tywin Walker, Zach Wheeler, and TBA in this series. Offensively, Bryce Harper and JT Romuto are ticking, and that's kind of it for them. The stat that had me shaking my head was Kyle Schwarber has eight hits this month, and six of them are homers. It's a 123 uh, batting average. So they need to find a way to get more consistent production up and down that lineup because they have, I mean, Trey Turner, our buddy Matt Gelb wrote a great story the other day about Trey going through the worst stretch of his career and how he's dealing with it. On the other side, I think that the Braves are still in a great position, even without Max Fried. Uh, they're getting good production from Acuna. You know, even Marcel Zuna has been good this month. Matt Olson, Sean Murphy, up and down have been pretty good, except for Austin Riley and uh, Michael Harris being the exceptions. I think they'll figure it out. Bigger series here for, for the Phillies because they they really need to have things start clicking pretty soon. <laughs> 
is game time here on On Deck. We are off Monday for Memorial Day. So today we're going to make both our arms race pick for the weekends and our homer chase picks for the week ahead. Levi, I'm going to go first with arms race. You're up 2-0. I need a W here badly. So I'm going to go with Shohei Otani versus the Marlins on Saturday. His splitter usage is up. I need those Ks. And if I learned anything last weekend, maybe strikeouts are more important than the even earned runs when I took the L despite having a better ERA in that game. So I'm a little salty on that one. Otani is going to, going to get it back for me. Okay, well, uh, good. You picked my second choice, so I get to keep my first one. Framber Valdez against the Oakland A's. All year, the Oakland offense has been okay while the pitching has been dismal, but uh, guess what? Now the offense is bad also. So you can't not take Framber Valdez against the... I mean, I guess you can. You did. You went with Otani. You're going to get some strikeouts. I'm going for strikeouts. That's all I want right now. The homer chase is ongoing this week. We I actually just tied up the season series here. 4-4, four to four, Pete Alonso hit a homer on Tuesday. Uh, nothing from Devers quite yet. So at this hour, yet. It, is all, it is all tied up. So who is going to be your pick for next week starting Monday? Okay, so last week you took the gimme. This week I got I to gotta extend a lead here. Give me Jordan Alvarez against that dismal A's pitching staff. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go with a, a little off-the-board pick that you can't actually make because you already picked the red. Spencer Steer. He's not probably going to you know, ever get an MVP, but they're playing at Boston, uh, the Reds at the Red Sox, and the Red Sox have the worst homer to fly ball rate in the league in large part because they play at Fenway. He's a, he's a righty. He doesn't pull as much as I'd like, but he does get the ball in the air a lot, and uh, then they go home to host the Brewers, and Cincinnati's a great place to play. So I'm going to go steer, and uh, you're going to go Alvarez, and we'll see where we wind up. By the way, how stupid of me to pick Patrick Wisdom last week um, instead of Christopher Morrell, who has nine homers in 12 games in the majors this yeah. season? The Cubs are crossed off my list, man. So you're taking your pick based on science, and I'm just choosing a mythical creature. Let's see how it goes. How wild to pick a guy named Wisdom, and it was the least wise thing I could have done. Huh. Anyway. That was almost worse than my May segue. Almost. And it's still <laughs> worse, but only barely. Time for us to hit the exits. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to producer Brian on the ones and twos today. You can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. You can subscribe for $2 per month for 12 months at theathletic.com slash baseball show. Sign up for The Windup, The Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free. Later in your feed, the 3-0 show, we'll be talking Yankees and which teams' vibes are real, which will suggest that there are also imaginary ones at work in Major League Baseball. I think I just talked about imaginary vibes. <laughs> Derek Van Riper is out for a couple days, so get ready for some Eno Saris, Britt Chiroli on the 3-0 show. Eno also unveiling his new collaboration with Buckle Up Brewing out of Saratoga Springs with his new passion fruit forward, Quintuple IPA, the wall scraper, Levi. Quintuple IPA, where does this stop? Where does it stop? This is like the 90s when they went, razor blades went from having just one to two, and then pretty soon you had like six blades. Like at some point, it's too many blades. I think Quintuple is too many IPAs. Anyway, Sandwich is calling uh, the squeeze play. So anyway, tweet him. Congratulations on the collaboration. You know, always looking forward to it. Hey, give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 32EFIS. I'm Stephen J. Nesbitt. We're off Monday, and we'll be back next Thursday with more of What's on Deck.